0: Section 12 of The Quintessence of Ibsenism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. The Quintessence of Ibsenism by George Bernard Shaw. Section 12. The Wild Duck after an enemy of the people ibsen as i have said left the vulgar ideals for dead and set about the exposure of those of the choicest spirits beginning with the incorrigible idealists who had idealized his very self and were becoming known as ibsenites His first move in this direction was such a tragicomic slaughtering of sham Ibsenism that his astonished victims plaintively declared that the wild duck, as the new play was called, was a satire on his former works, whilst the pious, whom he had disappointed so severely by his interpretation of brand, began to think that he had come back repentant to the fold. THE HOUSEHOLD TO WHICH WE ARE INTRODUCED IN THE WILD-DUCK IS NOT, LIKE MRS. ALVING'S, A HANDSOME ONE MADE MISERABLE BY SUPERSTITIOUS ILLUSIONS, BUT A SHABBY ONE MADE HAPPY BY ROMANTIC ILLUSIONS. THE ONLY MEMBER OF IT WHO SEES IT AS IT REALLY IS, IS THE WIFE, A GOOD-NATURED PHILISTINE WHO DESIRES NOTHING BETTER the husband a vain petted spoilt dawdler believes that he is a delicate and high-souled man devoting his life to redeeming his old father's name from the disgrace brought on it by an imprisonment for breach of the forest laws this redemption he proposes to effect by making himself famous as a great inventor some day when he has the necessary inspiration THEIR DAUGHTER, A GIRL IN HER TEENS, BELIEVES INTENSELY IN HER FATHER AND IN THE PROMISED INVENTION. THE DISGRACED GRANDFATHER CHEERS HIMSELF BY DRINK WHENEVER HE CAN GET IT. BUT HIS CHIEF RESOURCE IS A WONDERFUL GARRET FULL OF RABBITS AND PIGEONS. THE OLD MAN HAS PROCURED A NUMBER OF SECOND-HAND CHRISTMAS TREES, AND WITH THESE HE HAS TURNED THE GARRET INTO A SORT OF TOY FOREST IN WHICH HE CAN PLAY AT BEAR-HUNTING which was one of the sports of his youth and prosperity. The weapons employed in the hunting expeditions are a gun which will not go off, and a pistol which occasionally brings down a rabbit or a pigeon. A crowning touch is given to the illusion by a wild duck, which, however, must not be shot, as it is the special property of the girl who reads and dreams whilst the woman cooks and washes, besides carrying on the photographic work, which is supposed to be the business of her husband. She does not appreciate his highly strung sensitiveness of character, which is constantly suffering agonizing jars from her vulgarity. But then she does not appreciate that other fact, that he is a lazy and idle impostor. Downstairs there is a disgraceful clergyman named Mulvick, a hopeless drunkard, but even he respects himself, and is tolerated because of a special illusion invented for him by another lodger, a doctor, the now famous Dr. Relling, upon whom the lesson of the household above has not been thrown away. Mulvick, says the doctor, must break out into drinking fits because he is demonic, an interesting explanation which completely relieves the reverend gentleman from the imputation of vulgar tippling into this domestic circle there comes a new lodger an idealist of the most advanced type he greedily swallows the demonic theory of the clergyman's drunkenness and enthusiastically accepts the photographer as the high-souled hero he supposes himself to be but he is troubled because the relations of the man and his wife do not constitute an ideal marriage he happens to know that the woman before her marriage was the cast-off mistress of his own father and because she has not told her husband this he conceives her life as founded on a lie like that of bernick in pillars of society he accordingly sets himself to work out the woman's salvation for her and establish ideally frank relations between the pair by simply blurting out the truth and then asking them with fatuous self-satisfaction whether they do not feel much the better for it this wanton piece of mischief has more serious results than a mere domestic scene the husband is too weak to act on his bluster about outraged honour and the impossibility of his ever living with his wife again and the woman is merely annoyed with the idealist for telling on her but the girl takes the matter to heart and shoots herself the doubt cast on her parentage with her father's theatrical repudiation of her destroy her ideal place in the home and make her a source of discord there so she sacrifices herself thereby carrying out the teaching of the idealist mischief-maker who has talked a good deal to her about the duty and beauty of self-sacrifice without foreseeing that he might be taken in mortal earnest THE BUSYBODY THUS FINDS THAT PEOPLE CANNOT BE FREED FROM THEIR FAILINGS FROM WITHOUT. THEY MUST FREE THEMSELVES. WHEN Nora IS STRONG ENOUGH TO LIVE OUT OF THE DOLL'S HOUSE, SHE WILL GO OUT OF IT OF HER OWN ACCORD IF THE DOOR STANDS OPEN. BUT IF, BEFORE THAT PERIOD, YOU TAKE HER BY THE SCRUFF OF THE NECK AND THRUST HER OUT, SHE WILL ONLY TAKE REFUGE IN THE NEXT ESTABLISHMENT OF THE KIND THAT OFFERS TO RECEIVE HER. Woman has thus two enemies to deal with, the old-fashioned one who wants to keep the door locked, and the new-fashioned one who wants to thrust her into the street before she is ready to go. In the cognate case of a hypocrite and liar like Bernick, exposing him is a mere police measure. He is nonetheless a liar and hypocrite when you have exposed him. If you want to make a sincere and truthful man of him, all that you can do is to remove what you can of the external obstacles to his exposing himself, and then wait for the operation of his internal impulse to confess. If he has no such impulse, then you must put up with him as he is. It is useless to make claims on him which he is not yet prepared to meet whether like brand we make such claims because to refrain would be to compromise with evil or like gregor's valour because we think their moral beauty must recommend them at sight to everyone, we shall alike incur relling's impatient assurance that Life would be quite tolerable if we could only get rid of the confounded duns that keep on pestering us in our poverty with the claims of the ideal. End of section twelve.